Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. I hope you are excited about today. I, I, this is a very exciting day for me personally. Uh, I know I've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, but today is the day Amelie and I are celebrating 17 years of marriage. So, yeah, you know, someone should buy her a gift because she has had to put up a lot a lot of stuff with me over the years, but uh, I'm so proud to be married to that beautiful woman on the front row. She makes my life so much better, so I love you, baby. Um, the title of today's message is called Making the Most of the Moment, and what you just saw me do there is I made the most of the moment, because I'm a smart guy. I know how to score points, you know? Why don't you go ahead and poke the person sitting next to you and tell them, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. Okay, that was like 10% participation. Now look for the stoic person who's too good to talk to you. Poke them and say, you too. You don't miss this moment today. I don't believe that it is an accident that you're here today. I believe God wants to deposit something into you today. I believe he wants to bring encouragement and hope and, and, and peace and joy into you today. So I want to pray right now. Would you pray with me before we get into this service today? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for you. Um, we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for all that you've done. And we pray right now your Holy Spirit would come into this room. And we pray that we would uh, be right in line with what you want to do with us today. We pray for your encouragement. We pray for your strength, your healing. Um, God, we pray that you would bless us today. Conviction, for those of us that need conviction, God, we pray that you would help us today. But God, as we get into your word, I pray that I would get out of the way um, and I wouldn't get in the way of anything you want to do, but instead, please just use me as a voice box today. So uh, we're so thankful for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Guys, I believe that we can be passionate and fruitful in every season of life. I truly believe that. It doesn't matter if you're broke. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy. It doesn't matter if you're sick. It doesn't matter if you're healthy. Whatever the season of your life is, we can be passionate and fruitful in our life. And the reason why is because of what Pastor JL talked about last week, is that as followers of Christ, we have the right to believe that our God will go with us and be with us and make a way for us no matter what the situation. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that your God goes with you every day? You gotta wake up, you gotta be with me today because I believe that God wants to reawaken in some of us the fact that we're not going out into the world alone, but he's with us. And the world looks different when we recognize that he's with us. The world looks different when we recognize that it's not just that I met with God on Sunday, but he's coming right with me into the workplace on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday, all the mundane parts of life, right? He wants to go with you into each of those different places. But what a lot of us do, what we see is there are a lot of Christians that are sitting on their hands though, waiting for the next breakthrough, 
And, and the truth is, what we don't talk about often enough and what you need to understand, what I need to remember, is that if Jesus never did another thing, and he will, he will do more, but if he never did another thing, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus broke through the grave and made a way for you and me to come into relationship with him, and he broke off the bonds of sin, and he broke off addiction, he broke, he broke off all of our shame, when he did that, he did everything he needed to do. So as Christians, we need to stop looking for the next breakthrough, and instead we need to start walking in the breakthrough that Jesus has already given us. Because we need to be the type of people who recognize that the breakthrough and revival happens not when we're trying to get more people into church, more Christians into church, but instead when we're trying to get Christians out of the church and into our city, walking in the fact that Jesus is going with you every day. He wants to bring us breakthrough. He wants to bring us joy. He wants to bring us peace. But we can get stuck in this idea that our Christian walk is all about the breakthrough. Or it's all about the breakdown. Because really, as Christians, we like those two things, right? We, we, we like when we get to the end of the road and, and we're looking for, God, would you give me a breakthrough? Or we like when we find ourselves at the end of a rope and we're saying, God, I need you to lift me back up. I'm, I've hit rock bottom here. Would you, would, you, would you help me here? And I think what's scary about this is when we're always looking for the spectacular moments in life, either the big events or the or the tragedies in life for God to move, what happens with that is we miss the fact that God wants to work in you in the everyday moments of life. Not often enough do we talk about the fact that our walk with God is made up primarily of the ordinary mundane moments of life. The Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Friday when you're going to the workplace. You know, because we, we can get caught up in, in the idea of all the spectacular moments, and that, that's where God moves, that's where he, he does his great things. And in fact, our church even has a reputation about some of the spectacular moments. You know, people know about our church because of the big events. People know about our church because of revival, because of Christmas services and Easter services. They know about what takes place in Amped and when we send our middle schoolers and high schoolers away for camp. They know about what happens with our kids and kids camp. They know about the big events, but, but do you know what really makes Fellowship Church special? You went on a little secret. What makes Fellowship Church special is the everyday moments, the Monday through the Saturday moments where, where people are taking little moments and they're maximizing them and doing great things with them. It's the, it's the parent that decides I'm going to pick up my kid's friend from school and bring them to 4640 in the middle of the week, knowing that they're not even going to give us a thank you. They'll probably give us a bad look, like they're frustrated with us when they're doing it, because that's just what teenagers do, but, but we're going to do it anyway. It's, it's the, the people that come in the middle of the week and pull out our prayer books and pray for people in our churches with needs. It's the people that that decide I'm going to step out in faith and instead of hoping for, for God to change my workplace and, and save my coworkers, I'm going to invite them to church. I'm going to say, meet me at the church. Meet me out at the fire pit or the flagpole and we're going to go to church together. And even though they've said no a dozen times, I'm going to keep inviting them because I'm going to be active. I'm going to seize the moment and take a little moment and do something big. And when we have moment after moment after moment after moment of all the little things that happen throughout the week, we realize all of a sudden there's something powerful going on. 
And that's revival. That's, that's God's move is when we stop just trying to do church in church, but we take our church and move it into our city. When we start saying, you know what, it is time for me to stop just acting like a pretty Christian on a Sunday, but it's time for me to start following him every other day of the week. It's time for me to start seeing what could God do. And imagine, what would that look like if you and I, if every one of us in this room, we said, you know what, this week, I'm not going to just do church on Sunday and maybe on like a Wednesday night, but what I'm going to do is every day of the week, I'm going to look for where is God with me in this? If I'm going into this day, I have the right to believe that Jesus is coming with me and that he wants to do something good, that he loves my coworkers, he loves my friends and my family, and, and maybe he's gone before me and he's ready to do a work in their life, that this ordinary average moment can actually be something powerful. See, we have to realize and we have to come to terms with the fact that God wants to use you exactly where you are, that in everyday places of life, mundane places of life, that's where God can do some of his biggest work, his biggest miracles. Can I show you this in scripture? Can I show you uh, today in the book of 1 Timothy, when Paul is writing to Timothy, he, he starts trying to instill into Timothy, this man he's pouring into, the, the fact that we gotta, we gotta keep on working on our relationship with God and this faith and moving forward. And, and I wanna encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. Like, this year, we've been talking about the fact that Jesus is first. Then every hour of your life, we're going to put him first. So you got to have his word in you. you got to have it. So if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. we got tons of them in our bookstore. If you got a phone, you can get the version Bible out of the App Store for free. You can have a Bible and, and follow along. So uh, if you have a Bible on your phone, pull it out. Click along with us in 1 Timothy. Now, don't pull out, like, words with friends or something. That's just awkward. The people around you will know. I will know. <laughs> you know? But... Um, Pull out, pull out the Bible and follow along with us this year. Here's the context of this, okay? Paul is pouring into a man by the name of Timothy. And Paul, many scholars believe, is getting towards the end of his life, the end of his journey, and, and, and he's starting to see that maybe Timothy is losing speed, possibly even getting complacent, possibly getting to a point where he's a little burnt out, a little worn out. And, and Paul wants to just kind of instill into him and pour into him to keep on going, to, to keep on moving forward in his faith. So we see here in 1 Timothy 4, verse 11. It says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity until I come. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. I love this verse because it's not passive. What Paul says here is do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect what God is doing in you. Have you ever seen a neglected child where they're left to their own devices? I feel like in Christianity, we can do that sometimes when it comes to our faith. We neglect uh, our faith. We expect someone else to take care of us, someone else to take care of our faith. Someone else will do it. The church will do it, or the pastor will do it. 
or the podcast will do it. And we forget the fact that in this very short life that we have, this, this time we have on earth, in, in a relationship with God right now on earth, we forget the fact that, that what we have to do is we have to get down on our own knees and worship God. We have to lean into our own faith and trust him and obey him. It, it, we've got to do the work of not neglecting our faith, not neglecting what God is doing in us. And I know over the first three days of this year, um, God has started to do some miraculous and amazing things in a lot of our lives. Man, I got to tell you, it has been so incredibly encouraging. And we want to start sharing some of these stories of all the stories we heard over the first three days of the year of, of breakthroughs that happened, where people breaking free from addiction, um, people breaking free from old mindsets, old ways of thinking, old ways of doing things. There was healings that take place, have taken place. We know of the fact sometimes, I don't know why God does it this way, but sometimes God will do the same type of healing in a room. And we know over revival, three different people who had leg discrepancies, their legs actually extended back out and came to normal uh, distance again. I mean, God is doing some amazing things. We, we saw over the first three days of revival, people came forward and, and were, had hands laid on them and were prayed over, received the Holy Spirit, received the gifts of the Spirit. It was incredible, and our God deserves praise for that. But here's what Timothy says about it. He said, don't neglect that. Don't just move on and, and forget about it. Don't just let it, leave it to its own devices and hope someone else is going to do something about it. We can't neglect our faith. What God has begun to do in us, we've got to protect that. We've got to watch over it. And the Bible says that God does protect what he starts in us. But we have responsibility, too, to go, you know what? If God started speaking to me in this area, I need to follow him in this area, in this direction of my life. And it, it leads us to this first thought today. The first thought, the challenge is this. The challenge is to fight the temptation to go through the motions rather than live to maximize the moments. We gotta fight the temptations to go through the motions. You know, do you know what I mean by going through the motions? You know, feel like you just get stuck in the rat race? Like, where today is, is just another day, just another day at the office, just another church service, just another sermon, just another day being married to my wife, just another moment, just another thing. And when we get that type of attitude, it's like, we get an attitude where we start to just go through the motions in life. It's like we're just kind of sleepwalking through the life. Just sleepwalking. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt rushed because you weren't ready? Just kind of going through the motions in life? Let me ask it to you this way. Like, it, it really, this is a snooze button problem. Like, how many of you have ever felt rushed in life because you hit the snooze button too many times? Let me ask it this way. How many of you are the type of people when your alarm goes off, you just pop right out of bed? Oh my gosh, I don't understand you people at all. <laughs> Let's be honest, how many of you like three, four, five, ten snoozes in the morning, then you get up? Yeah, that's most of us sinful people, right? So let me ask, let me ask you this, how many of our parents... Parents in their own. Okay, you will understand this. You will understand my pain. You will understand my frustration. But I remember several years ago when my girls were younger, um, we had a soccer game. And in our soccer game, we found out was at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning. 
I wonder what weirdos get together and say, we need to plan a soccer game for little kids. When are we going to do it? Let's try to ruin as many lives as we can and do it the only time they can sleep in it throughout the week, right? It really has nothing to do with my message. I'm just venting. But, <laughs> but I remember we were, we were sitting on the couch. It was Friday night. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And Amelie tells me, I'm going to bed. You should probably go to bed too. We got... We got the soccer game at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, good Lord. And, and she goes, you got to be ready for it. Like, don't hit the snooze button 10 times. Be ready. Get there. And, and I remember the next morning, I'm hitting the snooze button, hitting the snooze button. And I hear my family in my room, and I look up. And my whole family's ready. My girls are in their soccer uniforms. They're going, Dad, can we go? We got a soccer game in 10 minutes. I jumped out of bed. I pulled my clothes on. I'm like, I hop in the car. I'm still trying to figure out what day this is, Right? This ungodly hour to even be up in the morning. We go out to the soccer field. Now keep in mind, all the other parents are like dressed to the nines and they got their little video cameras and they're like, they're going to put it on Instagram, which nobody's going to look at anyways, but they're putting it on Instagram because they're there in the moment. And I remember flopping down in this chair on the side of the field and like trying to get a little bit more sleep while my girls were out there playing soccer game. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon when I finally, I just felt like the day was a blur. I was like, babe, did we go somewhere this morning? And she gave me that look. Yeah, if you've been married, you've seen the look. And she even gave me that, like, judgmental head bob thing. Like, I got that that day. She goes, yes, your daughter's soccer game. <laughs> and I realized there, it's like, man, I was there, but I wasn't really there. I was at the soccer game, but I can't even remember it. And now I'm like trying to go through my phone. Did I take any pictures? Like, do I have any evidence of the fact that I was even at that moment that day? And it's like I was just going through the motions and I missed it that day. And see, you can be trying to serve your kids and provide your kid for your kids and go through the motions and forget about your kids. You you can be a Christian, you can serve in a church, you can be a professional Christian and forget about the power of God because you're going through the motions. See, I don't want to be someone who at the end of my life, I look back and realize, wait a minute, God was moving, he showed up, he was doing something in our system and I was, I'm talking to people about revival, but like revival passed by and I missed it. I don't want to, I don't want to be that person, I don't want to just sleepwalk through life, but it's so easy to do. You ever felt like you were sleepwalking through life? Man, man, I think that's why our nation loves this show, The Walking Dead, so much. Because we can all relate to the zombies, right? Like just going through the motions. We've got, we got to resist that urge to just go through the motions. See, I wonder what would it look like if you and I... Instead of feeling like we were rushed by life because we're, we're behind and waiting for the next big moment where God might do something, we started waking up and realizing, wait a minute, maybe God is going to do something today and maybe I should be alert today because maybe on this Monday or this Thursday or this soccer field on a Saturday, God wants to do something spectacular. And what would it look like if you and I went into each day saying, you know what, I'm going to take this fire that God has st started creating in me, this this passion that he's burning in me and I'm not just going to exhibit it on a Sunday morning but I'm going to take it out into the workplace and I'm going to start looking for, for what could God possibly do today. I wonder tomorrow are you going to go through the motions 
Or tomorrow you're going to say, man, I hope somebody has a problem so I can pray for them today. That's when you know you're maximizing the moment is when you start running towards what you used to avoid. Like, man, that that rude person, I hope they'll be rude to me today because I'm going to pour out some love on them, like love they've never experienced. They're going to run right into the love of Jesus today when they're rude to me today. Like, I hope they have a problem. It's like our, our whole view on life changes when we start maximizing the moment. Maybe you work at like a Starbucks or something. You're saying, today I'm making coffee today. And you could, you could just make coffee today, or you could be the type of person that goes, oh, when they come in today to get this iced caramel macchiato, they're not just getting some beans, but I'm, I'm going to deliver this coffee with some encouragement and some love and some prayer, and I'm going to let them know that Jesus loves them. This, this coffee is going to change their life. Like, wow. That's revival. That's revival when we take what God is doing in us and we, we stop just reserving it for ourselves and we start letting it get out. And we start letting it ignite because, guys, fire spreads. And when God lights a fire in you, he, he, he lights it in you to change your life, but he lights it in you so that, that, that it can change other people's lives as well. So, man, what he's doing in you is like, what if we stop just going through the motions on a Monday through a Saturday, but we started saying, today... I'm going to see what God can do. Today I want to see God move. So what I want to do before we close today is I want to give you two points today. Two ways to protect supernatural faith in super ordinary circumstances. Supernatural faith in super ordinary moments. I wonder, will this help you today? Do you need to protect your faith when it feels like there's times when you're just going through the motions, when it just feels like, another normal day. I got to tell you, I believe that there has not been another time in history when the church of Jesus Christ could shine as brightly as it's shining and can shine right now. I believe it because God put you here in this place in this time for such a time as this, that he's put you with the influence of your coworkers for such a time as this, that, that there's been no time where you would better be placed than this moment in history right now where you can affect the most people for the kingdom of God. I believe it to be true. And I believe it because right now, if you look at our culture, our culture is upset. It's divided. Our culture, they're, they're all about the issues. There's so many issues going on right now that people are upset about, and rightfully so. When... when our culture, you see people marching right now about the things they care about. You see, you see political parties divided about the things they care about. And they're going, well, well, well the issue is, is this. The issue is racism. The issue is prejudice. The issue is poverty. The issue is, is injustice. And we see all these different symptoms and these different issues. But the truth is, the issue is not racism. The issue is sin. The, the issue is not injustice. The issue is sin. The issue is not sexism, the issue is sin. So I have good news for you that if you are a follower of Christ, if you have bowed your knee and asked God to become your savior and, and you've allowed his Holy Spirit to fill you and guide you every day, then you have the answer. You have everything you need where you walk into the world now and you go, I don't need a position, I don't need a title. When you start talking about these issues, I can tell you, that's not the issue. The issue is sin, and I know the answer to the sin problem, and his name is Jesus Christ. And let me tell you about Jesus Christ. 
Let me tell you that he loves you so much that he made a way for you. Let me tell you that, oh, it doesn't matter that we're in the middle of work right now. It doesn't matter that we're in the middle of the mall right now. You need to hear me. Jesus loves you. And all these, all these issues you're dealing with are all symptoms of the problem that, that, you, that you're not allowing Jesus to lead your life. So I'm telling you, there's, there's got to be a point. There's got to be a place where we say that the issues of the world are all symptomatic to the fact that it's a group of people who desperately need the love of God. And he's standing there with his arms wide open just saying, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. I love you. Do you realize how much God loves your neighbors? That boss that you cuss at every day in your car, do you realize how much he loves them? When you start thinking about it this way, when you start thinking about his love, it, it changes the way we look at the, our everyday lives. I got a little sidetracked there, but two ways to protect supernatural faith in super ordinary moments. Number one, you have to protect your view of the process. You have to protect your view of the process. Because like it or not, you are a work in progress. Like it or not, you're, you're not there yet. You're not ready. You haven't arrived. There's still issues. There's still things that God wants to do in your life. And, and if you've bowed your knee to Jesus and he's become your savior, there's things he's going to do in your life and change you. And I think we get confused by this because we preach the gospel message and the gospel message is very clear and very true that you don't have to have it all together for God to bless you and to use you and to receive you. So we say, come as you are. Come with your sin, come with your addiction, come with your issues, come with your hurt, come with your pain. And we know this, that God will accept you exactly where you are. Someone in this room, you need to hear this. You've walked into this place feeling shameful, feeling far away from God because of your issues, because of sins, because of whatever problems. It doesn't matter where you are. God accepts you exactly where you are. But this is what you need to know. A God that loves you so much where he will accept you right where you are, he loves you too much to let you stay there. So, so every one of us are in this process, this process of the sanctification of God where he's saying, I, I love you too much to see you hurt, and I love you too much to see you destroy your life. I love you too much to see you throw away blessings and throw away your family to all these different things. So, so I'm going to change you. I'm going to start convicting you. I'm going to start moving you more and more every day. And as soon as you start to feel like, man, I got it all together, he'll show you now. Now I'm going to work on this area of your life. And, and now you need to see, you got to understand as a follower of Christ, you got to be okay with being in the middle of the process. But man, we don't like to talk about that. That, that. that is something that, let's be honest, as Americans, we like, to ju- we, we like to glorify the end product. We like to glorify the finished product. But we don't want to talk about the process. We don't want to talk about getting there. But this is exactly what we see take place in Scripture. We see this in 1 Timothy 4.15. Paul's continuing on talking to Timothy, and he says this. He kicks it up a notch. He says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. And then get this, so that everyone may see your progress. So that everyone may see your progress. He's telling them, you have not arrived yet. You are still in the middle of God changing you and moving you forward. And the people around you know you're not there yet. Don't you know the people that love you the most? They know your issues. They see it. It's like we try to put a smile on our face on Sunday like, it's, like we, we got everything together, but the, 
we see each other's issues. We know there's problems. So what I want you to do is work it out. Help out someone and tell them, work it out. Work it out. Work it out. He's saying, you need to work these issues out, but here's the difficult part. Do it in front of people so that they can see your progress. Sounds awesome, but this is incredibly embarrassing. Like, wait, so I've got issues. I've got a mess in my life, and I need to just come clean with it and allow God to change me in front of other people so they start to see me transformed. It's a difficult thing to swallow. But it's exactly what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. And and again, like I said, we don't like the process. We like the finished product. So have you ever noticed when we look on Instagram and stuff, nobody Instagrams or puts on Facebook their process. I've yet to see a pastor get online and say, here I am at church again, 30% full today, just trying to survive. Her mom going, my kids are killing me, don't know what to, no, I see that one all the time. Um, <laughs> but say, I'm not there yet, I'm struggling, it, it's difficult, we, we don't like that. We like to glorify the finished product, but what we see instead is our God doesn't glorify the finished product, he glorifies the work in progress. Because it's in the work in progress where, where his love and his grace and his mercy can be uh, exhibited the most in our lives. When we recognize how messed up we are, but yet he'll still use us, he'll still love us, he'll he'll still bless us right in the middle of the process. I got good news for you, because there's someone in here today, you feel like you've got to get it together, and then God can use you. Like, if, if you get it together, then somehow God can bless you, and I think someone, you've been fed lies where you think that that once you have it together, then you'll be qualified to be used. But if that's the case, then none of us are qualified to be used. So if you're saying, I gotta get my life together, and once I've got my life together, then God can use me. Then I can start telling other people about Jesus. Once I kick this habit and get rid of this addiction, then I can start inviting people to church. By doing that, while you're trying to put yourself together, do you realize the world is falling apart? And don't be fooled by veteran Christians. If you're coming in here today feeling like your life is falling apart and seeing other people in this room have been in church for 30, 40, 50 years, don't be fooled by that. Because let me tell you something about every person in this room. They got issues. Look at the person next to you. That person next to you, they got issues. Big time issues. And they might look like they got it all together, but the truth is people have been in the game longer, they've been in church longer, We just know how to hide the issues. (laughs) But every one of us in here, we're works in progress. And and God wants to use you right in the middle of your progress. And the good news for you is that God is not done with you yet. And you don't have to get it all together before he can use you. What what if our church started saying, I'm not going to wait until I'm perfect, but I'm going to start allowing my God who loves me to use me even though I'm messed up. we got to embrace the fact that we are a work in progress. See, here's some more good news on that. The most painful part of your process will also produce the most power in your life. There's people in here that you feel like, well, no, you don't understand. If you understood the story I've been through, if you understand my pain, if you understand my hurt, then it's just, it's too much. I gotta get this figured out first, but no, your pain is either going to be your prison or your platform. 
and it's 100% your choice. The pain that you're going through, the thing, that part of your testimony, that part that you don't want to talk about, that deepest hurtful part, that is either going to be your prison or it's going to be your platform that you stand on and say, you know what? The devil tried to take me out and he couldn't do it. And since he couldn't take me out because of God's grace, he's not going to take you out because your God loves you so much. It doesn't matter what you're going through. See, as Christians, we put titles on people way too quickly. And we say, we see people who are wildly successful and we say, wow, that person's just gifted. Now, don't get me wrong. God gives gifts. The Holy Spirit comes and gives gifts. He gifts people. But when we just title every success we see as gifted, what we're doing is we're undermining the process that that person went through. So you see someone on TV like T.D. Jakes or Joel Olstein or Joyce Myers, you go, wow, they're just super gifted. We're missing the fact that, that they went through some pain in their process. And in fact, what got them to the place that they are, they learned in a prison of, of brokenness and pain and hurt and regret. See, our pain can be a prison. I've had people come to me and they, they've given me the compliment and I appreciate it. It's very sweet and say, man, you're just so gifted. I, 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 it's so neat to see that your passion for the lost. And I think, yeah, God has certainly gifted me, but, but let me tell you a little bit about my process. Let me tell you a little bit about the prison uh, that I, I sat in for a while when I learned uh, about God's grace for me and what he wants to do with me. And, I, and a lot of you know my story. A lot of you know when I was younger, I, I ran from God and I got into a lot of trouble. I was with the wrong group of people. You wouldn't have recognized me. I had hair like down to the middle of my back, like grungy skater clothes, looked like Kurt Cobain. It was horrible. Um, but, but I was hanging out with the wrong group of people. And I remember doing some of these bad things, get, getting into parties and drugs and stuff like that. I remember there was friends of mine that I led into the same problems. And, and I remember getting in so much trouble where my parents like pulled me out of the school I was in. My dad cut all my hair off and put me in preppy clothes. And like I was mad at the time, but thank God for that, right? Like I was rescued out of a really dark and ugly place um, where I was getting in a lot of trouble. But but what I saw that wrecked me and what I saw that I wrestled with for so long was I remember the day when I got a phone call that one of my friends had committed suicide. And, and I can distinctly remember another day when another one of my friends, I, I received a call that he got convicted of burglary and was sent off to jail. And, and I remember wrestling with God as, I was, as God was changing me and convicting me. I was coming out of this. So I started realizing it's like it was my influence is what I felt like. I, I wore this weight for way too long where I felt like it was my influence that, that drew this person out of their lifestyle into a, a lifestyle that hurt them and brought them towards destruction. And I remember being on the ground in my room and crying and just wrestling where, where God was in the room extending grace to me and telling me, you know what, you're not their God and I'm working in their life too. And, and, and it's not, you, you are not powerful enough to, to dictate someone else's life. You began ministering to me that way and showing grace to me that way. And I remember as I started 
in all of this hurt talking to God going, God, if you ever give me the opportunity to lead again, I want to use my influence to lead people towards freedom and forgiveness and salvation, not towards destruction anymore. So God, please forgive me of my sins and change me and use me. So when people come up and, and use words like, oh, you're just so gifted, I think you can keep your gifting. I, I'll keep what I learned in my prison. And there's some of you in this room that you, you're going through some prison-type pain in your life. There's been some abuse and some addiction. There's been some adultery and some abandonment. There's been issues in this room where you hurt deeply and, and for so long you've held on to this pain where it keeps you trapped in a prison. And I'm here to give you the good news that God can use that same pain and flip it around and you can switch it on the enemy and say that very thing that he tried to take me out with is exactly what God used in my life to bring me to a whole new level of blessings and to change my life. So this prison that you tried to keep me in is the platform I'm going to stand on and proclaim that Jesus loves you. <clears throat> so I've got good news for you today that some of you, you've been watching God work all around you, and you've stayed on the sidelines, and the good news for you today is that it's time to get in the game, that God's not done with you yet, that he's ready to use you, that he wants to use you, that it's time. We need you in the game. The move of God right now, what he's doing in our church, what he's doing in our city, we need you in the game because he loves your family. He loves your coworkers. He loves your friends. And it's time for you to use the influence God's given you so that he can reach the people that God's put all around you. So, number one, if we're going to protect our faith, supernatural faith in ordinary moments, we have to protect our view of the process. And then in closing today, number two, we have to protect our view of the mission. We've got to protect our view of the mission. Would you stand with me as we close? I want to go back into this scripture in 1 Timothy 4. He continues on. Paul's speaking, and he continues on to end with, with this in verse 16. This, this is so good. It's like, I love this verse. It's like 7-11, because you go in looking for one thing, and you come out with so many other things. You go in for a stick of chapstick and you come out with a Slurpee and some Slim Jims and Sour Patch Kids, you know. I love this. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's a very short verse you can skip over, but don't miss this. He says, because if you do, you will save both yourself and you're here. See, this is ridiculous because Paul is reminding Timothy again, you don't have it all together. You're mid-process. It's like the mundane, ordinary times in life when you feel like nothing spectacular is happening. But understand this, when you allow God to lead you and change you, it's not going to just affect you, but other people are going to see you change and it's going to affect other people. He said other people are going to come to Jesus because of you letting God change you. They're going to see your life. They're going to be affected by it. This is the mission. The mission is that we follow Jesus, we, we follow him, and we lead other people to him. That, that's why we've, we've taken on the mission statement of Fellowship Church is we connect the unconnected to Jesus Christ and together grow in full devotion to him. It's all about the mission. 
And when you remember it's about the mission, when you remember what Jesus has done for us, when you remember his love for you, you remember the price he paid, you remember that he loves your coworkers, then all of a sudden no offense can grab a hold of you. All of a sudden no addiction can hold you down because wait a minute, this is about something bigger. That, that God is the number one thing. It's never been about Timothy. It's never been about me. It's never been about anyone in this room. It's about what God is doing. And we remember it's about the mission of leading people to Jesus that brings everything into a whole new focus. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down. Start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it. Watch Jesus' life. Study how he made it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. I love that last line. You think about what God put up with, what Jesus put up with. It'll shoot adrenaline into your soul when we realize what Jesus went through because of his love for you. The pain he took upon himself because of his love for me. I think sometimes we need to refocus on what Jesus has actually done for us and we need to remember the cross. I'm not talking about a piece of jewelry. I'm not talking about a symbol. I'm not talking about something we look at in a picture, but I'm talking about what the cross actually means. I'm talking about this image of the cross. The wounds he took. God himself putting flesh on because he saw your sin, he saw your shame, And he decided you were worth it to go take your place, to take your sin upon himself, and to pay the price and to die, to face death, to face hell, so that he could give you instead what he deserves. He took what you deserve, and he gave you what he deserves so that you could have eternal life. So that you could have breakthroughs, so you could have healing, so that you could see miracles, so that you could walk in power and boldness and confidence and joy and peace. He said, I want to trade it all. Why? Because he loves you. For no other reason than the fact that our God is good and he loves you, he decided to take your place. And when we remember this picture, when we remember what he's done for us, It puts everything else in such a shallow and weak and laughable place that we go, I remember what this is all about. And you know what? Even if I'm messed up, even if I'm full of sin, even if I got issues and addictions and pain, God deserves me to get in the game. If he loves my coworkers so much and he's paid the price for me, what he deserves is that I'll get in the game and I'll show his love to my coworkers. I want to hit the pause button for a moment because I know there's some of you in this room that maybe you've never started a relationship with God. You've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You see this image and you hear us talking about the fact that he traded places with us. 
that he made a way for us to have an eternal relationship with him in heaven. You hear us talking about that, but it's never become real to you. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That today, you could become a follower of Christ. So what I wanna do is I I wanna bow our heads and close our eyes with no one looking around. I know there are many of you right now that the Holy Spirit is working on you right now and you feel that tug on the inside where you're going, you know what, I want that relationship with God. I want to change. I want Jesus to be my Savior. If that's you, no one's looking around but my eyes right now. You can be confident of that so that you're not embarrassed. I just want to ask you if that's you right now and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. So one, two, three. Put your hand up so I can see your hand. Put your hand up. Put it up high. I see your hands. Congratulations. I see your hand. I see your hand. That's the first step of faith right there is just admit that you need Jesus as as your forgiveness, as your Savior. Okay, now what I want to do for every person that just raised their hand, I'm going to ask our whole church body to pray a prayer together where we're going to pray this prayer and ask Jesus to forgive our sins. This is not some cute God pay my bills and help me prayer. This is, I am a sinner and I need to repent and I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. We're gonna pray this prayer right now. So everyone repeating after me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins and give me a home forever in heaven. I believe you are the Son of God I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose again. So I ask you today to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, what I want to do, I know there was a lot of hands that went up. You're in a room full of people who want to celebrate with you. So I want to ask you um, to put your hand up on the count of three if you just prayed that prayer for the first time so we could celebrate with you. One, two, three. Hold it up high. I saw your hands. Hold it up high. Congratulations to you. Congratulations. Praise God. Praise God. Altar workers, I want to ask you to come forward right now. Our prayer team is coming forward. Uh, I want to pray over our entire church that this faith, what God is doing in us right now, this passion that he's building in us right now would not just be a Sunday thing, but it would go on to the everyday moments of our life, the Monday through the Saturday. I'm going to pray over our church family, and I'm going to dismiss. But what I want to ask you to do is these men and women that have come forward, they have these getting started packets. We have a gift we want to give you. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time to ask Jesus into your life to forgive you of your sins, we want to give you some information that will help you walk out this faith that you just started today. I want to encourage you and say happy birthday because it's a whole new life now. It's a whole new day for you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to pray over our church and I want to ask you if you raise your hand to not leave until you come down and receive uh, one of these getting started kits. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you uh, before you leave today. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lives who just were redeemed by you. Not going to hell, but going to heaven because of your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your love. And we pray right now that we would be the type of people that walk out this relationship with you on an everyday basis, not just on Sundays, but every day, God. We pray that you'd help protect in us the process that you're working on us, changing us. And we're not there yet, but it doesn't matter because you love us just the same. 
So we thank you for that, God. Help us to always remember it's always about you. Thank you for every person here. I pray we leave with boldness and confidence because of your love in our lives. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. I love you guys. You have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.